I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and this is episode 39, in which we go to the movies, part two, and I'm recording this on February 18th, 2011. Kind of early in the morning for me, actually. It's not really early in the morning. It's just early in the morning for me to be recording a podcast. Normally, I don't do this until the afternoon or evening, um, and I haven't actually finished having my coffee allotment for the day, so we'll just have to see how this goes. Um, Sandy, not fully caffeinated, can sometimes be leaves a little to be desired, I guess. Um, It's a Friday. This is the first of five furlough days that we have at work this year. I think I mentioned this once before. In fact, it's one of my uh, New Year's resolutions for 2011 involves these furlough days. And it's it's basically a pay cut. Um, Really, we're trying to, you know, like every not-for-profit organization, we got some pretty severe budget issues. So at this point, rather than decreasing staff, what we're doing um, as sort of a stopgap measure is we've got these five furlough days spread through the, the year. And those are no work, no pay. So yeah, we're, we're a little bit of a pay cut, but it's spread through the year, so it's, it doesn't hit as hard. And it does mean five days um, not working. So my um, New Year's resolution had been to make me feel, you know, a little more positive about the pay cut and all that kind of thing is to uh, use these five furlough days as quilt retreat days so that they feel like I'm actually getting benefit out of them. Um, so my plans for today are once I get this podcast posted, I got to do, you know, a little bit of housework, actually not too much. Um, The house is not in bad shape, actually, all things considered. But um, my BFF BQF Kate is coming over later this afternoon. And, you know, it's one of those things where she and I have been friends. We've known each other since we were like, I don't know, five or six years old, something like that. And so, you know, this is one of those wonderful friendships where I don't mind if she sees me with my, uh, shall we say, house cleaning pants down, <laughs> I guess. Um, you know, some people come over, you've got to have the house spotless, you feel really stressed if it's not. Um, for her, as long as it's, you know, workable, <laughs> I'm good, because I know she has seen me through thick and thin. So that's that's okay. But um, she's coming over so that we can do something that I'll be talking about in a future podcast episode. So I don't want to give out too much today. Um, but it does require setting up two sewing machines um, at once and both of us having access to the cutting table. We're basically having a sew play day um, for a few hours this afternoon. So I've got to get my sewing rooms uh, cleaned up enough, uh, which actually involves my sewing area less than it does the home office area. This is my sewing space is shared with it's all quilting down one side of the room and all business down the other, sort of. <laughs> I guess that means my bonus room is a mullet. It's party in the front, business in the back. <laughs> okay, I think I need more caffeine. Anyway, um, sewing, you know, being the party side is on the left side of the room as I'm looking at it now, and business, my home office, and my husband's computer and the kid computer is all down the right side, and that's the side that tends to get a little more cluttered, so... I just need to move some stuff around and and make space so that I can um, set up a uh, folding table, a small folding table for the other sewing machine. 
Um, and then I think we can probably both fit at my cutting table at once. But again, I just have to clear off the top of it and lay out. I've got a couple of random sized um, cutting mats that, you know, they're smaller. They're meant for taking to classes and such. But if I can line them up around my larger cutting mat, I think we'll have enough cutting surface for both of us to work at once. So, you know, I, I think we'll fit. It's just a matter of I need to take a little bit of time to make it work. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. This is actually the first time in our entire relationship that Kate and I have sewn together, have done something together. We're always great at sending each other photos and emailing each other and, and occasionally getting together for show and tell, but we've never actually worked on anything together. So this will be kind of fun. I hope. <laughs> anyway, by then I'll be caffeinated. Should be good. Um, we've had a little bit more warmth this week. Our temperatures creeped up towards the 50s. I'm not convinced they ever got into the 50s. Supposedly they did, um, but it didn't feel quite that warm to me. Maybe I am just so thoroughly bone chilled from our negative temperatures the week before that I just haven't warmed up yet. Um, unfortunately, it sounds to me like the weather is changing today because it is windy out there. I don't know if you're going to be able to hear this. I'm sitting right in front of a big uh, plate glass window in my in my office. I've got one end of it is almost all window, which is wonderful. But I only get natural light in in the morning because it's an east-facing window. So the rest of the day, it can be a little dark in here. But anyway, that means occasionally you might hear the windows rattling because, boy, that wind is whipping around out there. Um, that kind of makes me sad because it means we're due for cold temperatures again tomorrow. And unfortunately, well, <laughs> okay, fortunately, we're leaving on a family vacation tomorrow. Unfortunately, we're heading further north. We are going to Quebec. Um, and my husband was checking the weather um, up there last night. And he was actually just in Canada this week for a couple of days for uh, business, came back home and was checking the weather report for Quebec. And it's supposed to be okay Saturday and Sunday. Uh, but then the first couple of days next week, I think it's supposed to dip down to 14 degrees and then negative something uh, while we're there. So <laughs> we've we've all been joking about, you know, only Western New Yorkers would go further north in the winter. And I keep saying to my family, whose bright idea was this anyway? <laughs> I don't, you know, isn't this the time of year we're supposed to be going off to Florida or Arizona or somewhere warmer? And no, we're going to Quebec. Um, unfortunately, we are going to miss the winter festival, but Quebec has this huge winter carnival with all sorts of stuff going on. It'll be done by the time we're there, which is fine because it would be far too crowded if I, I'm not into crowds. I'm kind of a, a stick in the mud that way, I guess. I don't really like crowds, but I believe they have had um, ice sculpture competitions are part of their winter carnival. And I think those ice sculptures should still be there if they haven't melted. So that'll be kind of cool. And um, the girls really want to go dog sledding. <laughs> which will be interesting. Um, I think I mentioned before my daughter, uh, usually we would go on a family vacation, obviously with my daughter and son, but my son is now off to college and his vacation schedule doesn't coincide. So um, what we have done last year and this year, both years that he was gone is my daughter has a cousin that's only a month younger than her. The two girls have basically grown up kind of like twin sisters. They're, they're very, very close, uh, which, you know, just does a mom's heart good to see her kids have very close relationships with all their cousins and they do both sides of the family both kids are very close to all of their cousins which is great um but this particular cousin you know they spent a lot of time in play pens together and <laughs> and cribs together and growing up together and we used to joke that they had their own little version of twin speak because when they were in 
when they were babies and they were sitting in those playpens together, they would be babbling away to each other and just start giggling away and we'd have no clue what they were talking about, but they had the best time. So <laughs> they're, they're very close. And it's fun to have her on vacations with us. She's very easy for us to travel with too. So she's coming over tonight and spending the night and then we're getting off bright and early in the morning. Um, we're not gone a full week, almost a, a full week. So we'll be back at uh, the end of week next week. And I should be able to post another podcast episode, I would think then. Um, I did do a little bit of a Google search for uh, fabric stores in Quebec and did not turn anything up. I didn't look for a real long time because I know we're not going to have a lot of time because we are only there a few days. Um, and I also happen to know I've, I've been in fabric stores in, in Canada in the past and their prices are higher than here. So I wouldn't be um, going to buy a lot of fabric. I'd be going to buy souvenir fabric, you know, like a fat quarter or two. So if I don't, if I'm not able to uh, work that out, then um, I'm okay with that. Okay, a break in my train of thought. My sister just called, and she is getting her car repaired in the city. She, This is the mother of the nephew that periodically lives with us because they live an hour and a half south, and she is in getting her car repaired here in the city, so she just asked if she could come over and hang out at the house while she's waiting for her car to be repaired. So I told her I'd be putting her to work. Guess who's helping me with my housework now? <laughs> so that's fine. Um, in any case, she's going to be showing up any time now. So I'm just going to keep plowing ahead with this. Um, all right, where was I? Oh, we were talking about vacation and shopping in Canada. So anyway, what I was going to say is if any of uh, you listeners do know of a quilt shop in Quebec, and we'll be right down in old Quebec, if you know of a quilt shop down there, um, go ahead and shoot me an email. Um, I may, may, may or may not be able to actually get my email on my cell phone in Canada. Sometimes it's a little sketchy. Uh, what the connection is while I'm up there. So that, you know, you can try (laughs) shooting me an email. I might actually get it. Not sure. But like I said, I don't have a lot of time um, for doing that anyway. So I'm not, I'm not sweating it too much. Um, In any case. Okay. So that's what's going on with me. My Sandy update. Uh, My niece got her quilt. I put it in the mail last Saturday and she received it on Tuesday. And by all reports, she's thrilled with it. Um, I have not gotten a picture of her with it yet, which I requested because I would like that for my um, scrapbook. My quilt documentation is not just a picture of the quilt itself, but a picture of the person uh, for whom it was intended with the quilt. So um, that's the update on the peace sign quilt that is now officially done and out of my house and with its rightful owner. And so that's really nice to know. Um, meanwhile, I've gotten to, to work on my um, mystery stash challenge project. And it's a quilt that I do intend eventually to go to my mother-in-law for her birthday in early April. Uh, I'm having a blast with this thing. Partly it's because it's a new project. You know, this is not something that's a UFO. This is not something that somebody else has asked me to do. It's just, I decided to do this and have fun and I'm doing it. (laughs) And that's always, you know, it's such a freeing feeling, I guess. Um, And the only deadline is my self-imposed one of this being my challenge project. because my mother-in-law has no idea that I'm working on something for her. And frankly, if it turns out terribly, then I won't even give it to her. So there's no sense of, you know, an obligation to get something done by a certain time. It's just, you know, this is my deadline. I know I want to have the top piece by the end of the uh, stash challenge deadline. And that's it. So I'm just having a blast with it. Um, 
I think I've described it last week in the last podcast episode, but in any case, I've been talking about it on my blog. So if you're interested in, in seeing what I'm working on, you can go check out the blog. Uh, it's it's a very sweet, um, very sweet pattern. I'm using one of my many jelly rolls and uh, chose one that's particularly kind of what I refer to as romantic fabrics. You know, it's very floral and not quite pastel. It's a little more saturated than pastel, but it's leaning more in that direction than I typically work in. Um, and so it's it's just a very nice uh, pattern, and it'll be a nice quilt, and I can just easily picture it in her house. So that's been um, a lot of fun to be working on that. And so far, I'm, I'm on a good schedule to actually have that top pieced by the time I need to have the top pieced. And then I believe I'm going to send it out to a long-arm quilter. So... Um, because I do want to have it done by her birthday, which is very early April. And I think I know a long-arm quilter that I believe could probably get it done within that deadline. So hopefully that'll work out. Um, the other project, I actually have forgotten to ever mention this, because this was sort of my, you know, sit in front of TV and, and work on. Um, it's a felted wool project, and it's a wall hanging that's, um, oh, I think they're supposed to be hibiscus, I think is what the flower is supposed to be. And this is a kit that I bought while I was in Houston from um, Wooly Lady or Wool Lady. I'll have to look up which it is. Um, but it's just beautiful colors. And I've done felted wool projects before, and I'm, I love felted wool. I, I really want to do a lot more of that. Um, and typically, they're in sort of, you know, country, folk art, primitive sort of colors, you know, the kind of colors you would expect in that style. This one is just this beautiful, the flowers are a gorgeous sort of salmon color, and they're a little bit mottled. The wool is all hand dyed. Uh, so they're just beautiful, brilliant colors. They're not cheap. <laughs> I will say that they're pretty expensive. But again, you know, when you look at the cost of a half yard of wool, it's, you know, you're like, <gasps> but then you realize you're only using little pieces of it at a time. So that half yard would go really far. Now, I like I said, I just bought a kit. So I only had as much fabric as I needed to use for this project. Um, but it's really pretty. I, I like it a lot. And once it's finally done, I will post a picture of it on the Flickr group and probably blog it. Um, I do have the entire top now blanket stitched. It's all been appliqued. All I have to do is adhere the top to the backing, um, which will be a little tricky only because I did something really stupid. <laughs> and I had the fabric uh, for the backing, the felt, felted wool or felt or whatever it is that goes on the backing of this. I had it folded up at the top of my cutting table, um, waiting for me to get to it when I was cutting another project. And of course, you know what happened. Yes, I cut into... <laughs> I went and got a little um, crazy with the rotary cutter and cut into the backing a little bit. So there's this sort of triangle wedge that's hanging on by a thread. I didn't cut it completely out. Maybe it would have been easier if I actually had, but it's still hanging on. There's just sort of this triangle wedge um, cut in it. So fortunately, it is the back, and it will have the front of this hanging over it, so nobody will ever know. What it means is I have to sort of glue it down um, so that it looks square. Um, again, nobody will ever notice it, but that was just one of those, you know, you're cutting away and all of a sudden you're like <gasps> kind of panicking and looking at what you've just done to yourself and kicking yourself because, of course, when you saw that fabric folded up on the side of the cutting table, you did think, oh, you know, I should probably move that before I start cutting. And then you think, oh, no, it'll be OK. And then, of course, you cut it. So anyway, <laughs> that's that's another story of that's my mistake. Don't do what I do. Okay, a couple of little things I picked up 
of the week that I wanted to share with you. Um, I have been uh, recently active in a website called Stitch Talk, and it's basically it's Facebook for sewers, and it's sewers of any kind, not just quilters, but there are a lot of quilters on it. And I believe it's just www.stitchtalk.com. And it is just sort of Facebook. There's not a place for you to upload projects or fabric inventories or any of that kind of stuff, which um, Seamed Up and other websites um, do have available. Stitch Talk is really just conversation. There are groups, interest groups. Uh, you can upload photos. Um, that you can send each other messages, that sort of thing. It's it's very Facebooky, but it's it's been kind of fun. And in one of the discussion uh, threads, and I don't remember now where I saw this, but somebody had mentioned and gave the link for software that allows you to um, inventory all of your stuff. And so I pulled up the website, and it's called Organized Expressions, Personal Inventory, and Journal. Now, all I've looked at is the website. I don't own this um, software. I probably would not buy it. Um, I all of my fabric is sitting out where I can see it. So I have no need to really inventory. All my books are out where I can see them. I don't need to inventory. And I have a spreadsheet for that anyway. Uh, I don't really want to inventory my thread or notions, but I know a lot of folks do. And especially if you've got fabric spread through several rooms, if you've got it closed away in bins, it would probably be a heck of a lot easier to have it on an inventory than it would be to try to dig through every time you need to find something. So if you're interested in finding a software that would allow you to inventory all that, um, that's what this is. And it's called Organized Expressions for Sewing, and I will put the link to it on um, the show notes for this episode. It's looks like it's lns-software.com is where you'd be able to find it. Uh, but it, uh, it allows you to catalog and categorize your patterns, books, and magazines, your thread, your fabric, your notions. Uh, there's a personal project diary. There's also a personal address book. You can also apparently inventory classes taken that you've done. I mean, it looks like it's a, a really good database for a whole lot of different kinds of things. Um, so you may want to check that out. I also, oh, I checked the price for it. It looked like it was maybe $26. Let me see if I can find that again. Uh, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. Order software online. Okay. $29.95. And it's for Windows. I don't see a version available for Mac. So um, that's just me passing along information I ran across. So if you're interested in that, you might want to check it out. Let's see, what else? Oh, Pat Sloan now has... Another Facebook page, this is not in addition to her regular Facebook page, called Pat Sloan's Complete Guide to Quilting on Facebook. And um, you can join that Facebook page, and she's got lists in the discussion section. There's different lists of um, anything quilting-related that's on Facebook. And including, I suggested to her, hey, why don't we have one for Quilty Podcasters? And so she started one immediately. It was great, very responsive. Thank you very much, Pat, for doing that. And so um, all of us who are Quilty Podcasters need to make sure we go check out that Complete Guide to Quilting um, on Facebook page and make sure you put your own podcast in that list. Uh, But for everybody, there's all sorts of very helpful information there, and it's links to the Facebook pages of all of those things. So it's kind of a one-stop Um, guide to anything you might want to link to on Facebook quilting related. So thank you very much, Pat, for starting that and everybody else check it out. 
Okay, that's all of my introduction kind of stuff. Um, today we are going to do some, I think, three more video reviews. And then I will do a little bit with listener comments at the end. So the first video I am reviewing this week is another of the Fonz and Porter Masterclass videos. If you remember, I've already done a couple of those. I did one on, um, Liz Porter did one on binding, and Marty Michelle did one on the log cabin rulers. The One of the other ones that I have is Liz Porter doing one on flying geese. And uh, so it's the Fonz and Porter Masterclass flying geese video. And this video demonstrates three methods for making flying geese. The first one using the Fonz and Porter flying geese ruler. The second one using the diagonal seams method. And then the third one is making four at a time. So the first one, the flying geese ruler. I do actually own this. Um, I find it very, very handy. I really liked it a lot. I've actually only done one um, project with the flying geese ruler to date, uh, but I can see where I would use this if I wanted to do flying geese border or whatever. It's very convenient. Um, there are a lot of other brands of flying geese rulers out there I've not used, so I can't tell you which one you should buy in a you know an official comparison study. But I personally do like the Fonz and Porter one. Can you do flying geese without a special ruler? Absolutely. I've done a bunch of them. Um, but, you know, again, I've mentioned before, I'm not big on math. <laughs> if I can avoid it, I will. And so this ruler does the math for you. You know, that's really helpful that you just have to know kind of what your finished size, what you want it to be and work it out with the ruler. Now, obviously, you know, the ruler can only do so many sizes. So you would have to choose a finished size that fits within the ruler's uh, parameters, but you know, they're pretty standard sizes. So I don't think that would be a big issue. When I first bought the ruler, uh, I decided just to test it out and I grabbed a bunch of my scraps and I whipped out this little bitty wall hanging. I think it's probably less than 12 inches square. Maybe it's a little over 12 inches square. And I did it in about an hour. Um, now, that being said, I was really just testing. I was playing, and I did it pretty quickly. I wasn't overly concerned about accuracy, and it does hang a little bit wonky. So it's on the wall in my kid's bathroom where no guest would ever see it because we don't let guests go <laughs> in the kid's bathroom. Um, and someday I'll do another one, and I'll take a little more care, and it'll you know turn out, hopefully, less wonky. Uh, but I do find that ruler pretty handy. And, of course, with anything, when you buy... Um, a specialty tool, it is helpful to watch a video on how to use it. I I haven't checked. I'm guessing they probably also have a little demo video on YouTube or something. So you don't necessarily have to buy this DVD to get that. But if you've never made flying geese before, you know, this might be a helpful little DVD to own. The second uh, method that they demonstrate is the diagonal seams method. And this is one that probably any of us who have made uh, flying geese are accustomed to. That's where you cut one rectangle and two squares for each flying geese unit. You sew a square to each end of the rectangle with a diagonal seam. You press it towards the square or towards the sky, as Liz Porter calls it. And then you you know trim off the excess in the back. And that's how you end up with the flying geese. That's, that's probably the method I've seen used most often and that I had used myself. Um, so that's a, a pretty standard method. It's very helpful. You're not really working with any bias edges, so that's useful. Uh, Liz did show a nice trick for sewing diagonal seams without marking that I did appreciate seeing. Um, it wasn't completely new to me, but it was a little bit of a twist that I hadn't seen, so that was nice. The, the next method, the third method that she showed, was making four at a time. And this one, you cut one large square 
and then four smaller squares, and you mark your sewing lines. And now she used the Fonson Porter quarter-inch ruler to do this. And again, you know, it's the videos are nice because they show them using the Fonson Porter tools, but never do they say, this is what you have to have. You don't feel really sold, or at least I didn't. I didn't feel like this was one long commercial. It's just sort of, um, you know, they're kind of just showing you how to use it. Um, I do own the Fonson Porter quarter-inch ruler. I believe in my newsletter at one point, I listed it as a tool that I... Um, I don't know if I said it was a tool I couldn't do without, but it's a tool I use all the time. Mine actually sits next to, um, I'm sorry, I think I'm, no, the quarter-inch ruler. <laughs> I was getting it mixed up with my one-inch ruler. My one-inch ruler does sit next to my sewing machine all the time. The quarter-inch ruler I do use quite regularly to draw those diagonal lines. It's very helpful to have the center line and the two lines and know you're exactly working with a quarter-inch. Um, that is a helpful ruler to have. Uh, but again, you can always go without it. You can use any old ruler to mark your diagonal lines. Um, so anyway, back to the flying geese method. You sew down two of the smaller squares in opposite corners of the big um, square, and then you cut those apart, and then you sew the remaining two squares in the apex of the triangle that you've now just created. So when you cut your square apart, you get two triangles, you sew the two squares in the apex of the triangles in each of those two units, and then you sew diagonally and you cut those apart, and then you've got four flying geese. This is a little hard for me to describe. It's really relatively easy to do. Once you watch her do it, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You could do that. Um, making sure your diagonal seams on those last two squares would be a little bit trickier to make sure they're true, um, but still very easy to do. And she gives the formula for figuring out what size to cut all your pieces to get that finished size flying geese that you want. And that's very helpful. Even I could have figured out that formula. So um, that's a very useful thing. I think probably in terms of new information, the making four at a time section was the one that I had not seen that particular method before. So that was useful to me. Um, at the end of the DVD, then, there's a short gallery. At the end, she shows three different quilts with different settings of flying geese blocks. So if you're interested in seeing different ways you can use flying geese blocks beyond sort of the traditional uses, that's that's helpful, too. So what did I like about this DVD altogether? Um, I liked that she explains when you might want to use the different methods. So she goes through these three methods. She doesn't just teach you three methods. She actually tells you when each one might be appropriate to use. So that was helpful. Um, and Liz Porter is just easy to listen to. You know, she's very quietly entertaining is how I think of her. Um, she can be funny, but it's not like she feels like she has to be obvious that she's being funny. It's sort of more of a quiet, dry humor. And, of course, a very polished delivery, as you would expect for somebody who's been on TV as long as she has been. But, you know, there's there's people who have been on TV for years, and they're still uncomfortable to watch. She is not. Um, she's just very easy to listen to. I also liked the gallery. It was good to see the different settings, you know. It's nice to see different ways you can use sort of a traditional block. We get so used to seeing it as a border, I think. We get used to seeing it kind of set as a block that it's nice to see it used where you really play with color and value to get some real movement through the quilt itself. So that was really helpful. Um, what What's not so good about the DVD? Um, first of all, it says on the back of the DVD box that it's 60 minutes, but it's not. I, I'm pretty sure it's not. I didn't set my clock by it, but it felt like it was more like 30 or 35 minutes. Um, when I checked all of these Fonz and Porter's DVDs, Masterclass DVDs that I own now, I've got, I think, three of them. Um, 
it they clearly just used a template for the back and didn't bother changing it <laughs> for each one. I mean, I think the the basic copy on the back is different, but the edges, you know, all the information, little um, information around the edges is not. It's the same uh, for each one. So I think they just, you know, somebody in production didn't bother going through and making sure that the videos were actually as long as they said they were. Um, and that's fine. I didn't, it didn't bother me that it was shorter. I felt like I really got a good demonstration of the methods. I could walk away from watching that and do it myself. You know, it was, it was easy. You can easily demonstrate those methods in that amount of time. It would just be nice if they checked the accuracy of the back of their DVDs. Um, I would have also appreciated another segment with tips for sewing together strips of geese most successfully. Um, I have found sometimes, you know, when I'm sewing long strips of geese together, flying geese uh, units, I guess I should say, from the quilting perspective, rather than you think I'm stuffing, you know, living beings under my sewing machine. Uh, when you're sewing those long strips together, they can tend to go askew. And it would be nice to have her demonstrate, you know, here's where you need to be careful. Here's kind of the trouble spots. You need to be careful where your seam is, or you need to um, watch your pressing or whatever, just to have a little bit on that would have been, I think, useful, particularly for beginners, because you don't think it's going to go together wonky. You know, it looks like it's going to work just right for you, um, but it does, it tends to skew a little bit. So that would have been useful. Um, And of course, more gallery time. We always love to see more quilts, but it would have been nice to see more than just three different kinds of settings. Um, you know, maybe four or five or six would have been good too. Uh, now, as has been my habit in doing these reviews, I try to um, offer a couple of tips that I have picked up specifically from videos. Uh, the one that I picked up on from this video, as I mentioned this earlier, is her method for sewing a diagonal seam without having to mark it first. And she uses, um, you know, the painters or masking tape on her machine uh, to so that you mark where that angle is. And then you can just run the point right along that um, line to make sure you're still on the angle, the diagonal seam, um, which is useful. I, it, my problem is I really don't want to put tape on my machine. I know it's not supposed to leave anything there, but, um, you know, this is the machine I inherited from my mother and... I could never afford anything like this myself yet, uh, and I don't want to get it all gunked up. So I've I've not been doing that. And I know painter's tape, like I said, I know it's not supposed to leave that. The other problem I have with tape, when I did use it on my old machine for other things, is that it always inevitably catches um, the end on the fabric, and it gets all linty, and then it starts pulling up every time you've got fabric going. So that's a little bit tricky. But I know if I worked with it, I could figure out how to do it. So I may try that at some point once I as I say, get over myself about putting anything, um, you know, adhering anything to my machine. Now I have used, there's a tool that's called the angler that you tape down onto your machine to do this, the same thing. Essentially it's all marked with lines so that you can tape it down onto your machine and then sew along it. Um, and I believe I inherited that one from mom too, or I might've owned one and then inherited a second. I don't remember. Anyway, I have it associated in my head with my mother. Um, what I find I've used it and it's very useful. Uh, but what I find it difficult is to get it taped down well enough, again, to not have it snag on my fabric periodically. Um, but again, I have used it. It is a handy little tool. So that's something else for you to think about. Okay, DVD number two is Quilting Arts TV uh, with Pokey Bolton. And um, 
This one is a DVD of episodes from TV. Quilting Arts TV is a, a TV show. Not on my stations. Um, I don't know where this ever broadcasts, and but you can buy the DVDs um, as the series. Like most of these TV shows, you can then, once the season's over, you can buy the DVD that includes all of those episodes. I only have the 100 series, which is the first season. And so what I'm reviewing is actually a little bit old. I believe they're up to the 700 series now. So they've been around a little while and I'm sure some things, you know, have smoothed out and polished up. And um, not that it, the 100 series was bad. There were just some things that felt a little bit awkward that I'm sure they've probably smoothed out by now. Um, in the series that I have, there's 13 episodes. I imagine that's pretty standard and it's four DVDs. Um, I do have a bit of a bone to pick with the packaging. They mush all four DVDs into a standard DVD case and they, you know, they put two behind and then two a little bit lower on top of, and those dang things don't stay on their stupid little cases. Every time I open the case, I've got DVDs popping out and flying all over the place. It drives me nuts. I wish they had just packaged it a little bit differently, but I also know packaging is very expensive. Often I used to do publishing that involved packaging and a lot of times packaging can cost more than the resource itself. So I understand, you know, they're trying to keep costs down so that they can pass that cost savings on to the consumer. I get that. Just be aware if you buy one of these um, sets of DVDs to open the package with caution, because <laughs> otherwise you may end up with a DVD in your face. Um, okay, so back to the review. Uh, these are each, um, each set, each series of DVDs, um, is priced on their website right now at thirty nine ninety nine unless they're on sale. Periodically, they put certain seasons on sale, and when I just checked to double check the pricing, um, some of them were on sale for twenty five dollars. So that's kind of your price range. I don't remember how much I paid for this one hundred series. I bought it a couple of years ago. So anyway, um, each episode, again, like most TV shows that do this kind of thing, they have several different segments. So. You're, you've got very short little um, introductions to several different techniques in one episode, which has its pros and cons. Okay, so in I re-watched one of the episodes in order to get ready for um, recording this review, and the one that I watched started out with Pokey Bolton in her studio demonstrating a technique for um, uh, fabric painting and creating your own surface design on fabric. And so she spent, it was probably about five minutes on that. And then there was a segment with an art quilter. I'm sorry, I didn't write down her name. I forgot now who she was talking with, but she was talking with about that person's dem uh, demonstrating a technique. And that was probably a little bit longer, but still not very exp uh, extensive. Then they had a segment on digital technology, which was um, in that particular episode, somebody was, I believe, I can't come up with her name again. I didn't write down that level of detail, but it was the person who makes the Kaleidoscope Creator software, I believe, was demonstrating the Kaleidoscope Creator software. That I know because I own it, so I recognized it. And then um, somebody else demonstrated uh, machine embroidery using a machine embroidery machine. So there's you know, several different segments with several different techniques. Now, <clears throat> I do, I like the series. Um, I do only own the 100 series. I haven't gone back to buy additional series, although I might do that in the future. I haven't said, oh, no, I'll never buy this again. It's just I haven't happened to do that yet. Um, it probably would be a little hard to watch one of the segments and immediately run out to try it yourself. It depends on the segment. Some segments were more straightforward than others. It, and by the way, I don't know if I've mentioned this, Quilting Arts TV is based on Quilting Arts Magazine. So it's definitely um, 
art quilting techniques, its surface embellishment, surface design, uh, all of that kind of thing. That being said, if you're a traditional quilter, you could still learn a lot from this because, first of all, the lines are blending. Um, you can use art te- art quilt techniques on traditional quilts. There's no reason you couldn't. Um, so you will find some things on there. They also deal with embellishments, which certainly has entered into the uh, traditional quilting world. So you could learn, if you're a staunch traditionalist, you could still learn a lot from this um, series. If you're more interested in, in art quilt type techniques or you know anything along those lines, you could also really experience a lot from this. Um, but what you're going to find is rather than learning a lot about an individual technique, you're going to be exposed to a lot of techniques on a very surface level. And like I said, there's there's pros and cons to that. Um, now, let me go back and I'll, I'll, well, okay, pros and cons to that are, this is not going to be an instructional DVD. You're not going to get a DVD and be able to watch it step by step and really figure out how to do what they're doing. There are, again, there are some segments that are straightforward enough that once you watch it, you, oh, okay, yeah, I can do that and just run out and buy yourself the supplies and, and do it. But not all of them. The other thing I struggled with a little bit is that <clears throat> some of the segments really depended on you having particular equipment, particular machines, particular software. Um, you know, yet that's a marketing technique, obviously. You know, somebody comes on to demonstrate Kaleidoscope Creator, hoping that you'll watch it and say, oh, wow, that's the coolest thing going, and I want to buy that software. I don't have a problem with that. You know, people have to earn a buck. Um, but it does make the series a little less useful if you don't have that software, you can't sit down and say, oh, okay, that's something I can do at home. Um, I didn't struggle with the software one so much because, you know, it's like a $25 software, $30 software. Okay, so you see it, you want it, you say, okay, I want to have that. The one with the machine embroidery, I struggled with a lot more because that was a really nice machine embroidery um, thing that she was showing. And she wasn't demonstrating the machine. She was showing this technique you can do as if anybody could do it. And I, I know my machine can't do it. You know, and I don't have an embroidery machine. I've got a, a really nice quilter's machine. It has some embroidery stitches. But I'm not even sure all embroidery machines could show what you're doing. And I I objected a little bit to the fact that they're demonstrating something as if anybody could do this. And you can't. You know, unless you've got machines that have that capability, you can't. So that bothered me a little bit. Um, but that was just one segment of one episode. That's not, they don't do that all the time. <laughs> the other thing I had to laugh at a little bit was, in that episode with the, or in that segment with the machine embroidery technique, um, the the guest who was demonstrating this technique said at one point to Pokey, oh, well, I think everybody knows about free motion quilting, which isn't true. You know, she was assuming a certain level of knowledge on the part of her viewers that was not necessarily there. Um, on the other hand, if you owned that expensive embroidery machine, my guess is you've probably already been quilting for a little while. I, I don't know many quilters who would go out and lay that kind of, you know, Uh, take out a second mortgage to buy (laughs) a machine when they've just started. Um, You know, that being said, I've never priced out embroidery machines. I don't know how much that particular machine cost, but I do know, you know, given what it looked like, I can kind of guess where it probably was. So anyway, that was my only quibble with that particular episode is that I felt like that segment assumed things that you really shouldn't assume if you're trying to be generally of interest. Um, So it, now, that being said, I did when I went on the website to check out the pricing and what they've now got, and they're up to the 700 series, apparently somewhere around 600 
um, the 600 series, they started a new segment named Save Our UFOs, where viewers send in UFOs and Pokey Bolton and whoever her guests are offer ideas for way to, ways to finish it. And that could be really interesting. Um, so my recommendation on this particular DVD really depends on how much into surface design, embellishment, and the like that you want to get. This is a great way to get exposed to a lot of techniques in a short period of time. Um, and that's why I bought it. And it's a fairly minimal expenditure. Um, you know, you you would go to a conference and go to a round robin class for about 40 bucks to get exposure to maybe 10 or 12 techniques. Here you're getting for 40 bucks, you're getting an entire series, you know, 13 episodes of segments of exposure. So in that respect, it's a, a very good resource. Um, you could then decide which ones you wanted to follow up more in depth. So I would say, you know, very positive to that, that you're going to get exposed to a lot of new ideas, a lot of new techniques that then you may find something you want to pursue on your own later. Um, but the downside is they're not instructional. So you're not going to be able to get it. And, you know, with a few exceptions, you're not necessarily going to be able to watch it and then immediately be able to replicate whatever it is they're doing. Um, so that's the kind of pro and con. Um, I can't really come up with a single tip that I learned from this one because of the nature of the DVD uh, itself. Like I said, it's not an instructional DVD. I do like the idea of playing with some of those techniques. Um, again, that's why I own the DVD in the first place. And I, I won't say I wouldn't buy any of the um, future series. I am a little intrigued by the Save Our UFOs segment um, just to see what they would have to say. I would think that would be really interesting. Um, so I'm not absenting the possibility of buying additional um DVDs in the future. But if, you know, if I were to tell you, here's one DVD you absolutely have to have in your collection, this would not be it. There's other ones I think would be much more useful. So that's my review of, um, of the Quilting Arts TV DVD series. The third video I'm reviewing this, uh, this day <laughs> for me to get suddenly very formal in just a little bit old English. For me to review this day is Finishing Well, which is another Patchwork Schoolhouse um, DVD. And I mentioned in a previous episode that I had ordered this and hadn't really had a chance to watch it yet. Um, still haven't gotten all the way through it, but I have seen some of it now. Patchwork Schoolhouse is the, uh, the Joanne Middleton is Patrick Schoolhouse. Joanne Middleton is the same person who did the DVD called Precision Piecing that I reviewed on an earlier episode very, very highly. Um, this one does not disappoint. Finishing Well does not disappoint. It's still excellent. Um, the Apparently, the Patrick Schoolhouse materials are all just very good. I would go through and probably buy all of their DVDs if I had the money, and they do have a package um, group that you can buy all of them for less than it would cost if you bought each one individually. So I'm going to continue to pick these up, you know, here and there as I go. They're they're just very, very well done. Um, now, this one, Finishing Well, is four discs. And let me just read off the chapters for you, because it's easier to do that than me to try to figure out how to tell you what all's on here. So disc one talks about squaring up blocks, planning the quilt top, setting options, drafting the top and determining yardage, and proper border application, including squared end corners, corner blocks, and mitered corners. Disc two, finding the perfect quilting design, making your own stencils, choosing the right marking tool, determining border repeats, choosing the right batting, basting quilts, and preparing for long arm quilting. Disc three, machine quilting setup, quilting techniques, binding your quilt, 
making straight grain binding and making continuous bias binding. And then disc four is sewing the binding on the quilt starting and stopping. And so she goes through um, the V, tucking in at the end, an invisible join, stitching the binding to the backside, making a sleeve, making a label, and quilt care. So this really is very comprehensive. Um, Like I said, I've not been able to read the whole thing, read, I've not been able to watch the whole thing yet. Um, I did go through, when I was working on the piece quilt, my original plan was to do mitered corners. And I've done mitered quarters before, but not very often. And the last one I did was a couple years ago now. So I, I skipped through to the segment she has on mitered corners to refresh my memory. And I found it very easy to follow. Um, by the time I watched it, I was ready to to go ahead and do it. You know, I was ready to just walk out and, and start making my mitered corners. Um, but then I did end up changing my mind about how I was going to handle that border. So I didn't end up needing to do mitered borders in the long run. Now, her strengths are the same as with the other DVD I bought of the series Precision Peaching. Pe- peaching. <laughs> okay, let me get more coffee. Hang on. <laughs> okay, I've gotten a little more caffeine in me. Um, her strengths are the same. I, again, I really liked preci- Precision. <laughs> the caffeine didn't work. Precision Peaching. Uh, she's very easy to watch. I find her just very comfortable. She explains things very clearly without seeming self-conscious. You know, there's some people that you watch on TV and they are very conscious of the fact that they're on TV and neither of you can forget that you're watching TV. She's not like that. She's just very um, relaxed and at ease and you just feel like, okay, yeah, I'm watching her, um, you know, on my computer in this case, but um it's like I'm sitting in a classroom with her. It's just very easy to watch. And she's very, very clear. She doesn't give a lot of side detail, um, but she does explain why you would do certain things. So it's very helpful. I love her DVDs. Um, this particular set, the finishing well, the runtime on this is a little bit over three hours. And it, it is $42.95. Now they put on, the, on their website, it's the equivalent of 12 hours of class time. Um, and I guess that's probably the case because if you were in a class, you know, the teacher would show you this method and then you'd take an hour for everybody to try it and her walk around and show you um, things. So I can, I can kind of get where they say that, but it's obvious that they know that this is a little expensive. And so they're, they're talking about how to do that. But even three hours, you know, I've paid $42 for some quilt classes for three hours. So that's not at all, uh, out of whack with what you would pay for quilt instruction elsewhere. So you need to look at it that way. You know, are we used to paying 10 or 12 bucks for a DVD? Yeah, this one's $42.95. But that being said, you look at it as I could take a class and you do a class like this. Yeah, you're talking about it's probably four weeks worth of a class to go through all of these um, techniques. And so what would you pay for a four week long quilt class at your local quilt store? So you've just got to kind of weigh it out that way. Um, Patrick Schoolhouse does have a video called Basic Training for Beginners. And I know from emails and comments that I've gotten that there's a lot of uh, folks listening to this podcast that are very new at quilting. Um, I would think that would be an excellent purchase for you. I don't own it. I haven't watched it. But just given my experience with her other DVDs, I would think she would do a really good job at the Basic Training DVD for Beginners. Um, It says on the website, topics covered range from tool and fabric selection, cutting techniques, setting that perfect scant quarter inch seam allowance, tips on block construction, putting blocks together and adding borders correctly. 
And that one costs twenty six ninety five. It's an hour and six minutes. And they say it's an equivalent of nine hours of class time, um, however you want to measure that. So again, twenty six ninety five. that's definitely the cost of a quilt a class at your local quilt shop. So that's definitely, you know, well in the range of what you would pay for other things. Um, so if you are a beginner, I, I would feel pretty comfortable recommending that DVD, even though I've never seen it, never used it. Um, and if you do decide to use it, or if you do already own it and have used it, anybody that's had experience, leave a comment and let us know what your experience with that particular DVD was, because I think others would be very interested in hearing. Um, I don't have a particular tip from the finishing well again, because I've only watched a couple of segments of it um, from that mitered corners segment. It was just full of tips. I mean, I, there was all sorts of stuff that I thought, okay, yeah, you know, that's a good thing. I will go ahead and, and do that. Um, but I didn't write down a particular tip to share. So sorry about that. So those were my three DVD reviews. And to recap, Fonz and Porter Masterclass Flying Geese with Liz Porter, which is at um, www.shopfonsandporter.com and Quilting Arts TV with Pokey Bolton. And that is at interweavestore.com and Finishing Well Patchwork Schoolhouse with Joanne Middleton. And that's at patchworkschoolhouse.com. And I will put all of those links on the show notes to this episode. Listener comments. First of all, thanks for listening. (laughs) That always makes me feel good that people are listening. I appreciate that. Um, there are some great discussions going on over in Big Tent at in the uh, Quilting for the Rest of Us group. Uh, a couple right off the bat are, I had posted a question about what project still haunts your dreams at night. <laughs> Which, what are your nightmare projects? Um, and uh, there have been some great responses to that question. And again, because like I mentioned on a previous episode, I do have uh, the new message forum about following in our mother footsteps, I think is what I called it, but about things you have inherited from um, mothers or other quilty loved ones uh, that you are now trying to figure out what to do with. And there's been some good discussion on that one as well. And there's also still periodic additions to a question I posted a long time ago about the greatest quilty gift that you've ever given. And there's been some new additions to that one too. So there's a lot of great discussions over there. So join Big Tent and join the discussions. Um, Oh, and you know what I realized? And thank you, Janet, because she posted a comment that reminded me, it's been a while since I've told you or reminded you about the You Know You're a Quilter When page on the the, um, show notes for this episode. Janet gave us a You Know You're a Quilter When comment. She says, first, I need to tell you that I work with two-year-old children. With that being said, you know you are a quilter when you place shirts that children are wearing on the copier machine in order to get a copy of the applique art on their shirt to put in your applique pattern folder for future use. All I have to say, Janet, is I hope the kids aren't wearing the shirts at the time you're putting them on the copier machine. That was a great laugh. Thank you, Janet. I really appreciated getting that. I got that comment first thing this morning before I'd had any caffeine, and I'm still chuckling about it. So thank you very much, Janet. Thank you also to Noni, Mary, Sarah, Jane, Jen, Rhonda, Di, The Sewing Geek, Kate, Mama P, Trish, Tammy, and Nancy, Jay, and other Jen who called my piece quilt trippy, which is a perfect, <laughs> perfect adjective. Thank you very much, Jen. Um, Cat King, Landscape Lady, Laura, and Stash Resolution. Sarah, by the way, of Stash Resolution, another great quilty podcast, has a fabric shop on Etsy that you should check out named Swellcloth. So definitely check that one out too. 
And there was a lot of discussion about planned randomness. The current quilt project I'm working on, the floral bouquet pattern for my mother-in-law, um, is a scrappy quilt. It's supposed to be random, and I just struggle with true randomness. Uh, so that's been, I have mentioned that on the blog, and there's been a lot of conversation about planned randomness. So it would be great if, you know, just go to the blog and um, leave your own comments about that. And you can link, you can find the link to my quilt blog from the show notes, or sorry, not from the podcast page. Uh, there's a link on the right-hand side. Um, Chris left a comment I have listened to half the podcast, and I have to say that I've had some experience with... She had listened to half the podcast episode where I talked about my niece's quilt. Let me clarify that. Um, She says, I've had to say I've had some experience with directional fabric in a border. And you are right. You have to decide if it really matters to you. Unfortunately, I didn't realize that I'd cut my fabric wrong until I was sorting, sewing the borders on, and I didn't have enough fabric. It was a kit to cut it the correct way. In the end, it really doesn't look that bad, and I love the quilt. So thank you, Chris, for that addition. And I agree, you know, obviously I agree, I said it (laughs) in the episode, when you're working with directional fabrics, you really have to decide what's going to matter to you the most. Um, Susan also commented, okay, this is because on my blog about my current project for my mother-in-law's quilt, I was commenting that this isn't my normal style. This would not normally be something I would make for myself, but I'm really loving it. Um, every time I look at it, it just makes me style smile, but I'm not going to have to live with it, you know, for, I don't have to figure out where in my house it would fit because I can picture it so easily in her house. And so I had made a comment about how much fun it is in quilt making that you can play with all these different styles, but not have to live with them. You can give them away. And Susan left a comment that said, um, one of my minor reasons for quilting is exactly what you said about working with fabrics and styles that we would not normally gravitate towards, but then give it away when finished and we are left with the satisfaction of the experience. So yes, definitely, Susan, thank you for agreeing with me. <laughs> it's always nice to be agreed with. Um, so that's this week's episode. And um, next week, again, I'm going to try to post when we're back from vacation, but I won't have been back for very long. And I probably won't have a whole lot to say unless I happen to find a fabric shop in um Quebec. So if I do post next week, chances are it'll be kind of short, but we'll see. Um, Anyway, until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 